Father, we come before you today and what a reminder your arms are always open no matter how far we stray how many times we've turned our back you always pursue us your goodness and your mercy chase us even as we run to you. And Father, I just ask that you would quiet our hearts, that each one of us would posture ourselves before your feet and speak loud through your Holy Spirit. As I read this morning in Acts, as Peter preached, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles and just ask that your Holy Spirit would fall today as your word is proclaimed. Pray that everything that you speak through me would bring you glory and honor. Stir your hearts of your people this morning, Father. Bless them, encourage them. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Morning. <clears throat> All right, y'all, so I got to make a little confession here. Um, So this, there's this thing called menopause that's a real deal for a man. And apparently it, I'm going through it. Like everything makes me cry. I, uh, I do have to, before we jump in, I do want to just say thank you to uh, a saint that attends here. I'm not going to call her out. She'll know who she is. I stopped by this morning. to print notes, and I got our mail for Stacia, put it on her desk, and there was a note addressed to me, and it just had my curiosity, so I opened it up, and somebody wrote me a letter that they made reference to a time that I mentioned Psalm 19, which is a very precious um, verse in my life, and it talks about the Lord reveals sin that lurks in us that we don't even know. She wrote in here that, she said, somehow until it was repeated from your heart, I had, it had never sunk into mine. And she said, now I can claim it. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to encourage me. And, but you made it very difficult on me this morning to preach without crying. <laughs> so I prefer you wait till Mondays if you do that again. book of Luke, I told you guys this many times, the book of Luke is my favorite book of the Bible, although since COVID and sharing with you guys the, the practice of journaling, Jesus gets my hour or whatever he wants, first thing in the morning, every morning, 271 days, just thankful for his faithfulness. I'm amazed what he's done, how he's removing hurry in my life. And there's, he laid on my heart this morning or this past couple weeks when Greg asked me if I could, could preach. Um, this thought came to my mind, what concerns you the most? You know, 
Beth was alluding to, you know, do we, can we be excited about 2021 in light of 2020? Um, I believe we can. And, you know, COVID for me personally has really made me look inside at my relationship with my Savior my relationship with my family, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with our staff, my relationship with my family, um, my parents. So as I started thinking about that question, what concerns you the most? Here's some things that went through my mind personally that perhaps maybe this would be you. So I'm concerned about my kid's future. My daughter's about to graduate. My son's 25, thinking about getting married and like concerned about my, my kid's future, uh, concerned about health. I had COVID, and I still can't smell or taste. Had it in October, and I don't know, maybe God wants us away. God's speaking to me to lose weight. I'm just thinking there's a purpose for it, so just praise him. Um, but COVID, uh, personally, what if you're a young student, and like, you know what we hear from kids a lot? They just want to be with their friends in school. They're tired of doing this hybrid thing. How about, how about popularity? Just want to be popular. Just want to fit in. About fitting into culture. Is that a concern? Maybe. About professionally. What concerns you professionally? Retirement? Bank account? 401? Salary? My position? Am I going to become the boss? Am I going to get this to six figures and got the million dollars in my retirement and just, I'm set. How about politically? That's been a big one. What if my guy loses to this guy? And what if this guy gets in? What about that guy? And how am I going to see someone that I sit beside even in church that I'm supposed to love? And they have a different point of view than I do. I'm concerned. How about whether you're going to take the COVID shot or not? That's, going, that's kind of a big thing right now. And um, How about... Zoom. Anybody tired of Zoom? I'm tired of Zoom. I don't like Zoom. I don't want to see Zoom after it's over, for real. They need to just rename it something else. But like all these things, think about all these things that I'm saying, brothers and sisters of concern. What I've said this morning, we have all heard, even in those of the faith. Can I call you to this um, through Barna, what the concern of our shepherds are for their congregations. Here are the top three. I pray that you listen to what I'm about to say, that this is what they're concerned with who know their flock the best. Number one, biblical literacy, the top. Two, falling away. And three, Biblically compromising the word of God. I don't think that's an accident that God stirs his shepherds to be concerned about those three things because I believe he supernaturally speaks to them and he allows them to see. And church, the last point I'd make is this, is we all saw this past week, if you haven't, one of the greatest minds in Christianity, that we have put up on pedestals, that we've talked about, that we've learned from, 
Rabbi Zacharias, we found out that he had sin in his life. And his precious wife and his family and those that he left behind that are hurt. Listen, he had two lives. Two lives going on. Broken. Why could he not share the overflow of his heart with someone else and allow himself to be rescued? Now he is slandered all over the world. This should awaken us with I wonder what he was concerned with the most. Was it Jesus and Christ and him crucified? I don't know, but friend, here's the thing. When, when we talk about what would concern you the most, I want, want you to think through some of these things that I'm going to ask. What do you think others would say about what concerns you the most? In other words, what would they say overflows from your heart based on what your mouth speaks? Luke 6, 48. I'm realizing just because we talk about Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that our soul has found rest in Jesus. You see, our beliefs about him, what we speak, if it's true, it will match up how we live. It'll infect our behavior. Would you say that you keep Jesus's name holy in your life? You know what grabbed me about when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray? It says this, Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I've started asking God, I write this daily, God, may your name be kept holy in my life. His his name's holy regardless whether I make it or not, but I want it kept holy in my life. But the way I treat Pam, my children, saints, unbelievers, Lord, keep my name holy. Would others say the same about you? Friends, lying to yourself about your relationship with Jesus is the worst thing you could ever do. Lying to yourself in general, believing lies, is the worst thing. One thing I should think about is before we dive into the story of Mary and Martha, I think it's important, I'm hoping today when you leave here, that you assess your relationship with Jesus. Listen, even if it seems rich, that you would assess. We need an assessment about our concern. I want to share a story with you. You guys could go to the next slide. I want to share a story with you about a guy named Jacob Van Zanten. He was a pilot of KLM Airlines. He wasn't just a pilot. Y'all, he was the top pilot and the top safety instructor for their entire organization. In fact, on January 23, 1971, Van Zanten was type rated on the Boeing 747. That same year, along with two other of his colleagues, went to Seattle to deliver KLM's first 747. In addition to his duties as a regular airline pilot, He had been promoted to chief flight instructor for Boeing 747. At the time of his death, he was charged of training all the KLM pilots on this type of aircraft. He was also the head of KLM's flight training department. This man knew his stuff. Listen to what some of his colleagues said about him. They said that he was a contemporary and people knew him personally. Okay, they described him this way, a serious and introverted individual, 
but with an open-hearted and friendly disposition. He was a studious type and regarded as the company's pilot expert on Boeing 747. Listen, he believed in partnership to the extent that he insisted on his first officers addressing him during flights as Jap. I don't know what that means, but not as captain. Friendly gesture. However, March 27th, 1977, his aircraft collided with another aircraft in Spain on the runway, killing 583 people. What you see behind me is what was left. All 248 passengers and crew above the KLM flight 4805 were killed, as were 335 on Pan Am flight 1736. Only 61 people lived. In heavy fog on the airport's only runway, Van Zanten took off without clearance and crashed into the top of the Pan Am aircraft, which is back taxiing on the opposite direction under the direction of the air traffic control. The KLM's flight crew had been aware of Pan Am's back taxiing behind them, but believed they had already cleared the runway. The dense fog prevented visual confirmation. Van Zanten's actions were the result of a number of other factors, including communication difficulties with air traffic control. He wrongly believed that he had been given clearance when he received a departure clearance, and the control tower assumed that KLM 747 remained stationary on the runway as an instruction. Listen, at the time of the disaster, he had 11,700 hours of flying. 1,549 were on a Boeing 747. He took that plane full of fuel, barreled down a runway in the fog because he didn't properly assess. There's more to the story. Everything that he knew, what he wasn't supposed to do, he, he just got impatient and went down the runway. And when it was too late, he saw the other plane and he tried to pull up. The tail of the plane actually hit the runway. And he took all these people's lives. Listen, after it, his own company looked for him to lead the investigation only to realize that he was killed in the accident. Van Zanten was concerned with these four things. Being stuck at the airport and how much it would cost the airline. The inconvenience of what it would cost on his passengers. If anybody's ever been stuck on a plane, you know it's a test of your faith. Amen. If you haven't, it will, it'll bless you. His impatience and his hurry cost lives 583 people. Friends, listen. He went from one day to being a master instructor to the next day being a mass murderer, all because he didn't assess. He failed to assess the situation, even though everything he knew told him otherwise. My question this morning is how many Christians' lives live this life Believing that we're okay because we attend church, we serve as a deacon, an elder, Sunday school teacher, a pastor. Our parents raised us in church. There was never a time that we weren't in church. In fact, I was even in church before I was even born. All these statements that we make, and this is what I would say, follower of Jesus or friends searching for him. You must assess your life for yourself. I want to take you to another story. Listen, not only a story, but a cutting-edge story that was written over 20,000, 20 years ago. 200, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> cutting-edge. 
for phones or anything else. Listen, it's still relevant today. This story still speaks. It still holds its own. A story about concern and what our concern should be most as a believer. If you would, will you look with me to Luke chapter 10? We're going to read 38 through 42. And this is what it says. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, will not be taken away from her. Let's assess their concerns. Let's start with, let's start with Martha. Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. She did. She welcomed him in. Lord, come into my home. But let's notice something else about Martha. Right after she, she welcomes Jesus, the Bible tells us this key thing, and it's this. Martha was distracted. Has anybody been distracted over this past year? Am I the only one? Anybody been distracted? A lot of voices, a lot of confusion. Martha had Jesus in her home and was distracted. Pause for just a moment. Imagine Jesus walks into your house. Are you distracted? Like, let's think about this for a minute. You back up a, the Good Samaritan, all the healing that he's done, everything that they knew about him. He's at your home, he walks in. And somehow Martha's worried about dinner. Listen, the one who formed her in her mother's womb before the foundations of the world that knew that he would enter into that home was standing in front of her face and she's worried about food. Her, her distraction by the big dinner, this, this is what distraction caused her. She was upset at her sister for the lack of helping her. Number two, she wasn't only upset at her sister. She's, up, she's upset at Jesus by his apparent unfairness. Think about it. She's like, really, Jesus? Trying to pair this, pair this nice meal for you? My sister's sitting at your feet. Aren't you going to say something to her? Doesn't it bother you that she's lazy? Doesn't it bother you that she's not upset? Doesn't it bother you that she's not distracted? Like, really, Jesus? Can't you see what I'm trying to do? Her distraction led to worry. She was upset, and her upsetness came from distraction, which led to worry, and she was worried about the meal she was going to serve. Brothers and sisters, distraction can be a very dangerous thing in our life with Christ. 
for Van Zant, and he's on, he's on a runway, and he's distracted by fog. He's distracted by all these things, and he takes a loaded jet with these souls on board and barrels down a runway against everything that he knew because he was distracted. So he was upset, and he was worried about all these things. And his greatest concern of what it should have been, of knowing what to do the right thing, he chose the wrong thing, and it cost this man, a very smart man, his life. Mary, or Martha, just worried about this stuff, right? She had Jesus in her home. She's worried about meals. Worried about a meal. Jesus, if he wanted to, could have gave bread if he had just said, here's bread. It would have been there. And here, because she's distracted, distracted, it caused her to be upset, and it caused her to worry. I've learned this past year in my life that whenever I worry, it's all, it always causes me to hurry. And I get out of pace with the Lord. So we see Martha welcome Jesus into her home. Like, as a believer... We can welcome Jesus into our home, right? And we can, look, we can do all these things on the outside that look like we're doing really good things for Jesus. We're obeying. We say the right words. We quote the right scriptures. We pray the number of times. We really look like everything's really good. But really inside, something's missing. Because see, here's the, here's the difference between Martha and Mary that the scripture talks about. See, Martha invited Jesus into her home, but Mary invited Jesus into her heart. Watch, how do we know? Because when she saw her Lord, she got to where her rightful place is at his feet. Church, you know where we belong? Bowed before him. Everything that we've got, everything that we are, we long for the day to bow before our king at his feet. And Martha's heart knew it was him. There he was, Jesus Christ, Savior, Messiah, King. And she finds herself at his feet. Oh, can you imagine this beautiful picture of what it must have been like to sit at his feet, to gaze into his eyes? Church, one day we will see him our faith will become our sight and we'll look at him and those beautiful eyes that rescued us on Calvary to bring us back to him. And there she was at his feet, listening to what he taught. I wonder what he said to her. These are some of the questions I have when we get to eternity. Lord, what exactly did you say to her? I want you to notice something, please, about Martha, what she teaches us today, relevant for today. Listen, number one, notice her posture, okay? Humility, generosity, holiness. I was thinking about this the other day, brothers and sisters. In Philippians chapter 2, when Paul says that we must have the same attitude that Christ had, right? He counted others as better than himself, right? He didn't make it an issue that he was God, right? Listen, think about this. He counted Judas as better than himself. 
I think in, I, I really believe this. I believe in humility is found the holiness of God. Not only is there the holiness of God, I believe the generosity of God because Jesus poured his life out for us on Calvary. What better place could we have a posture than to be at his feet? See, when she postured himself in that position, she was showing Jesus that he second is, you're my priority. I belong here. You are my priority, Jesus. There's nothing that's going to distract me in this home, not the smell of the bread cooking or the meat cooking, my sister being aggravated with me. Whatever the distractions are, I just want you to know, Jesus, I am all dialed into what you have to say to me. Jesus Christ, she was showing him, you're my king. You know what was, you know what was being lived out in the very moment? Matthew 6, 33. She was seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and it was right before her. That just makes me giggle because it was like being lived right there. And she was listening to him. You know, I, I wonder if the first thing he said to her is, I love you. And I'm so glad you're here. So glad to be with you. Listen, like if, y'all, that's like good. Y'all, that's like steak on the grill right there. You know, hopefully y'all like that or whatever meat you put on. I mean, that's good. I love the end, how it gets even better of what Jesus says to her. This is so profound. See, by her posturing herself at his feet and making him the priority, he was her provision. He was the provision. Matthew 6, go into your quiet room. Shut the door. Your Lord who sees you in quiet, you know, in quiet, in that quiet place, he will reward you. What is the reward? Him, his presence. We just sung about it this morning. I'm over here about the ball, like thinking about his presence. His presence is what brings refreshment, according to what Paul said. Times of refreshment come from his presence. And so here we are. Notice what Jesus says. He says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and it won't be taken away from her. Can you guys put the next slide up? Mary had one thing on her mind, Jesus. Martha had bookcase, college, money, health, age, time, world's issues. I mean, y'all, I can't even imagine if we put our little silhouettes up there, what would go through our heart, minds and the things we're worried about. Mary was worried about one thing. And Jesus said this, it won't be taken away from her. And brothers and sisters, I can tell you with all truth this morning why this grabs me so much in my soul. It's because when that man handed me that journal 200 and some 70 days ago, 271 days, and he asked what my life would look like if I gave my first hour to Jesus, friends, listen to me. I have multiple times in my life of following Christ, not set aside, right? But just 
when I feel like I need him, when I want to pull him off the shelf and shake him, shake him like an eight ball because I need him to do something for me. Listen, my times have been interrupted and the times have not been fresh. But I can tell you something this morning. And the Lord Jesus knows what I'm telling you is the truth. Ever since I've made that commitment, nothing has distracted me from him. He has not allowed anything to take it away from me. He's guarded it supernaturally. The one thing that she was concerned about was Jesus Christ. It's always Jesus Christ. For the follower, Christ and spending time at his feet and listening to him teach should be our one concern and only concern. Friend, listen. Jesus said this. It's finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. You know what I love to Dale to, to take right off the second part of that, of that verse? It's this is what goes through my mind. If you said it's finished, so teach me to rest. Teach me to rest in your finished work, Jesus. Teach me to teach me to understand rest in you that no matter what happens in this world, no matter when the world seems distracted or it spirals out of control, that listen, my one, my only concern is sitting at your feet and listening to you teach and remind me that you are in control of all things, that you are going to redeem all things, you are going to bring me to glory, that you have a place for me in glory, and in the meantime, I can have joy in you. No matter what this world says, no matter what it does, and no matter how much they turn away from our Savior Church, he is in control. We have a lot to be excited about in 2021. Maybe he'll come back and get us. Lord have mercy, can you imagine? As I wrap up this morning, something that I would just end as you think about your concern, what I'm praying that you take away from today is I'm praying that each one of you will get in this word and at his feet and listen to him teach. He will change your life. He will bring you more joy than you can ever imagine. He will make your marriage richer than you can ever fathom. But something else that I'd never seen before is see, this verse also speaks of the stories prior. Because church, listen, if you look in chapter 10, all like you think of, you look at the, the people and you look at the characters, I want to start with this. And character, and as I wrap this up, you know what we don't want to be like? We don't want to be like the lawyer who just tried to justify himself to Jesus. Who's my neighbor? Here's what Jesus says. Who can you be a neighbor to? Number two, we don't want to be like the, the Jewish priest who passes by, left someone half for dead, right? Because he's, listen, he's too busy. He's too hurried. We don't want to be like the temple assistant. Same thing, hurried. And we don't want to be like Martha, distracted. That's not our aim. Listen, those characters are showing people that are out of alignment with the word of God. In other words, their biggest concern is not Jesus Christ. And therefore, we see the fruit of their lives being selfish, distracted, busy, worried, hurried, right? No, we want to be like Jesus. And I think Jesus was, in the story of the Good Samaritan, I think it was him 
he was referring to. Let me explain. This gets me so excited. I'm about to jump. Y'all listen. Follow me. The despised Samaritan came along when he saw, saw the man, listen, who had been beaten, stripped, and left for dead. If you're sitting in this room, you're watching online, that's exactly what sin has done to you. It has stripped you, has beaten you, and has left you for dead. Jesus makes it a point to say a despised Samaritan. The Jews despised Jesus. They hated him. Now watch. He felt compassion for him. Can you imagine when the father called Jesus to go, the compassion that he felt for us when he left glory and he came here? And then what does he do next? He goes over to him and he soothes his wounds with olive oil and wine and he bandaged them. Listen, we drink during communion, the wine to represent what his blood that was shed. And when you refer to the oil in the scripture, it refers to the Holy Spirit. Y'all, it just gets even smoother than this. Listen, it goes on and it says this. Then he banished them and he put him on the donkey and he took him to the inn where he cared for him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his boat runs higher than this, I'll pay the next time I hear. And then this is how I'd wrap up. Listen, he picked us up. When we couldn't pick ourselves up, he picked us up. He carried us. And when he took us to the end, in my mind, this is what I think. When he took us to the end and he tells the innkeeper that he's going to come back, well, he made a promise to us. And listen, he sent the Holy Spirit, listen, to care for us, to be an advocate for us, to fill us with his spirit. Until when? Till he returns. Till he returns for us. And in the meantime, listen, if the bill runs higher, if I happen to sin in the meantime, there's enough glory and enough grace and enough truth until he comes and gets me home. Now, we want to be like him, right? Because who would we say is a good neighbor? Martha. Martha. Martha was at the feet listening to him teach. Martha was at the feet. Listen to him teach. Jesus invites us to sit at his feet and listen to him. He invites us to join him in his suffering. He invites us to live his resurrection power. Church, listen, suffering's not a fun word. It's not. you know what he assigned us? Cross. See, you can't understand the resurrection power until you die to yourself and God raises you up. To be a resurrection, there must be a death. We must die to ourself, carry our cross for his glory, his honor, his praise. My encouragement I plead. This has been in my own life. Church, get at his feet. What he has to say through this will feed your hungry soul. And it will change you from the inside out.
And no matter what happens in 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, if the Lord shall tarry, listen, he will fill you so full of his joy. Nothing will take it away. But in order for that to happen, friend, you got to get at his feet. You got to listen to him teach. He should be our main concern. Will you pray with me? Jesus, Lord, I, I beg you, I beg you to draw your people to yourself. I beg you to stir their hearts in a powerful way. God, that we would all assess our relationship with you in light of this story. Do we really, really sit at your feet? God, I pray that you'll move on our hearts to sit at your feet, to listen to you teach, and to seek your kingdom first. God, use Maranatha Church and your saints and Youth for Christ and Redeemer to claim this neighborhood for your glory. (laughs) Our world needs you. And in order for there to be a revival, we have to be revival for you, I'm convinced. And that starts with sitting at your feet Listen to you teach. I know that's the truth, Jesus. So do what only you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit and draw your saints to your feet, to your wonderful feet. We love you and praise you. In Christ's name.